Hello and welcome to the Court Games LCG Podcast. My name is Trevor Cuba, a.k.a. Kikita Onimaru, joined here by my Maho-written co-host. I am Max Williams, also known as Whacked Mackie or Mackie no Oni. Still too young to know what Spawn is, but you know what? We have a guest here today. Does my guest know what Spawn is? What's a Spawn? That's, oh a, that's, a, little, that's a little small thing that, that turns into a big thing later, right? I mean, technically, you're not wrong. So, <laughs> so it's a real angle shoot answer you just gave me, Tyler. <laughs> well, yeah. Listen, angle shooting's my jam. That's how oh, I make it through these podcasts. Oh boy, <laughs> I can't tell you secrets, but I gotta angle shoot the secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. What are you? You're the you're the lead designer of the game. You're the lead story guy. You uh, screw around with marketing and op sometimes. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll asterisk that that uh, that uh, Katrina and I are now uh, leading the story together. Um, so I'm slightly less of the story guy than I was before, just because like, turns out designing games is like a full time job. And while I enjoy and I'm good at uh, editing fiction and running a fiction line as well, um, that is not technically what they hired me for. So now the two of us are doing it together. <laughs> Yes. Fair enough, fair enough. That's more for a cup of tea anyway. How does that work out? So I know she got hired back in the top of this year, um, and she was supposed to be in charge of all story for Fantasy Flight in general? She got a promotion from her previous position, so she yeah. is now the director of setting and story, uh, which means that anything lore and story related for any of our games, she approves. Okay. So she is the oracle of all story, and you are her subordinate. <laughs> yeah, and also, like, she's kind of the creative visionary, you know, the, the vision lead, as it were, uh, mm, on that yeah. kind of stuff. Like, I mean, she's the one that is responsible for the, the vision of what this L5R fiction line is going to be, right? And so it's only, it's actually con very convenient for me to have her back on the helm, because now uh, we can work together. She can contribute what her original intents were. I can contribute what my you know input was etc cetera, etc cetera. we can uh, work towards a more more stronger final result and, and we can and you can focus more on what's important things like getting toshimoko off the restricted list <laughs> but i digress uh <laughs> i mean okay hang on we're, we're only two minutes in that's that's like we made it a whole two minutes of that toshimoko joke <laughs> oh. <laughs> it won't be the last i'm sure but uh, how are you doing, man? It is 2020. This is a crazy year. How are you personally holding up, man? Um, well, some days are better than others. So Fair enough. There, there's that. Uh, some days I am super productive and feel great. And other days I lie around and try everything I can not to be freaking out about politics on Twitter. Um, mm. and, uh, and but But I mean, frankly, like, Working from home is going really well for me. Uh, once you know all the, once all the tech got its got itself sorted out, uh, working from home is going well for me. Um, and personal life wise, things are going as good as they can, considering I can't see most of my friends. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> we're we're all in that boat and stuff, but uh, glad you're holding up together and stuff. Um, and that kind of like leads. We're already in my like list of questions and stuff. Uh, glad to hear you're doing well. I'm gonna say good. We're all doing, you know, the best we can. You know, hang in there, kitty. <laughs> that JPEG. We have survived. 
for everyone who's listening to this podcast, wear a mask. I don't care what you're doing or where you're doing it. If there are other humans, wear a mask. And also, don't go interact with people that you don't know what other humans they've interacted with. Because you never know what they might have. And you don't want it. Trust me. It's very true. You might catch spawn. You might catch <laughs> the spawn. Uh, but to get way less personal, I am interested is how is as much as you could talk about how's L5R handling? Like what's the what's the business slash which is just the general atmosphere of like working in a game company when in a world where we can't play games? Um slower, I guess. Uh that's right. We, we've been trying to, I mean, on the one hand, it's like people can't go play their games. Um, and I'm like, I'm not going to lie and say I'm not aware of the fact that people play games online. Heck, I'm playing an online Star Wars LCG tournament with some of my friends just because, like, we have cards and Skype and we can do that. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm very grateful for the community led efforts to keep people playing. Like, that. That's awesome. We as a studio don't have the capacity to do that level of organize, organization for all of our games. So the mm-hmm. fact that we've, and like we have been working on things that I can't talk about. Uh, but when I said slower, like all of our processes are slower than they used to be because we can't just walk down the hall and ask, you know, talk to each other. Right. Speaking of talking virtually, uh, recently on the Discord where the community is. Hanging out, staying alive, keeping trucking and stuff. You recently worked with the moderators and ad- admins at uh, the Alpha of our Discord channel or server to get your own feedback channel where you can like interact personally. It's like a, a, a constant AMA as long as the uh, questions are L5R related. Maybe I should go on there and ask you a Halo related question. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, that didn't actually, I didn't, that, that wasn't intended to be an AMA channel. Um, although, like, I'm not opposed to answering questions. I, I enjoy answering questions from time to time. Um, obviously, a lot of the questions I can't answer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was intended to be more of a feedback channel, which it is. And it, that is great. I love being able to look in one place and see the feedback that, that players have for me rather than players posting it on some Facebook page somewhere that I probably won't see or sending it to me as a you know message on Discord. And I'm like, cool. I read it, but like now I'm going to, you know, I can't guarantee I'm going to remember every detail because I'm not going to mm-hmm. come back and read it again because I have, you know, a dozen messages in a dozen different places, right? Like having it all mm-hmm. in a single place is way more effective for me. And, mm-hmm. you know, it lets people ask me questions, which maybe I'll answer and maybe I won't. And uh, I enjoy answering them uh, when it is appropriate and I have a meaningful thing to say. Right. Obviously, I can't always talk about uh, some of the nitty gritty weather because it's uh, secret process related stuff mm-hmm. or just because I wasn't involved in it. Right. Like, uh, sure. when fair is fair that's going to be announced? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Not <Well>. my department. <laughs> I can usually guess when stories will get posted because I usually, you know, have a say in that. But like, uh, when is what's going on with with organized play i don't know ask organized play <laughs> yep fair enough fair enough i happen to hold the very special honor of being the first person you answered in that channel so oh that's right <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> did you just announce to the internet that you that you claimed first? I did. <laughs> he nobody jerked. else can take it. <laughs> uh it's it's weird. Every time there's a new L5R server, like Max is like already in there every single time. Like <laughs> theoretically he has a job. I think he just trolls L5R boards all day. <laughs> Uh, are there any questions that you prefer more than others or like if someone throws you say a design, I don't say idea, more like a suggestion, like, Hey, this is how I think dual should work. You know, how, like, how, how, how do you think feedback there? What's your preferred T? Yeah. Uh, I like, so feedback that is valuable is feedback. That's like, Hey, uh, this is a thing that the game doesn't have that I want. Um, obviously, you know, have some, some, some context, uh, for it and not just like, give me a cycle all about Naga. Cause like, realistically, that's probably not going to happen. Um, oh, man, let me just strike question three from this list. <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, a, a, a good, uh, a good sort of request style feedback, which, which I'll refer to is like, someone was like, Hey, I wish such and such was. Uh, slightly more, you know, I wish the the role uh, allocations were slightly more thematic. And I was like, that's cool. And I was going to respond to that being like, they are, because in my head they are. And then I looked at the cards mm -hmm. and I was like, in my head they are, but like having now gone through two lead developers and sometimes the way it ends up on the card is not where it started. So like, yeah, I can see that the theme in in the role restricted cards is not always clear. Like, okay, that's good feedback, right? Um, mm -hmm. uh, and then as far as questions, like obviously if it's design related or uh, as, as I'm sure we'll get to the, the kinds of questions that you're, you're going to be asking me on this because they're about game design or they're about faction uh, theme or they're about uh, game balance or something. Like those are the kinds of things I can speak to. Um, mm -hmm. and, and like I said, I'm never, I, I can never commit to answering any question because there might be some reason that you don't know about that. I can't answer it. And I can't tell you what the reason is for the same reason. I can't answer the question. Right. Like, yep. uh, but I do enjoy answering questions. And I think having a, uh, some dialogue with the audiences is good for everyone involved. Yeah. I do like when you do answer a question, like you don't just answer it. Like you'll give like a, like a three paragraph response for every question that you do answer, you know, you know, you want to know how many times discord has, uh, has, I'm going to use <laughs> the word censored me because I ran out of space <laughs> and I had to change what I was writing because I was like, okay, how do I say this with fewer words? Yep. <laughs> I've done that a few times where I was like, I start writing something and I was like, okay, well, I reached the character limit. I'm going to post this on Word and then like repost it uh, in chunks. <laughs> in chunks. Yeah, I had to do that. Yep. Uh, I had to do that one time as well. Yeah. But that was because I was answering multiple questions at once. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's a little bit more legit. Before we move on real quick, I want to say for anybody listening who doesn't know uh, to get access to this channel on the Discord you have to basically agree to follow its rules and reach out specifically to one of our magistrates. You yes. don't just have access to the server by deed. Do the thing. And follow the rules. Be nice. Mm -hmm. Everyone's been pretty nice in there so far, haven't they? I No, no. Everyone's been great. But, you know, I'm, I'm the one they'd be mean to, so be nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
But Tyler, my favorite interaction with you was when you did a live stream for, I believe, Children of Heaven, and you're doing a thing where, like, I'm going to show you, uh, we're going to play specific cards to, like, preview the cards, and the chat was like, hey, let's see what you're in your hand, and your response was like, no, because you're going to question the, my play decisions and give me crap online for it. I'm like, yeah, uh -huh. <laughs> some play. <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> Run the community to the T. <laughs> Listen, I've been a card game player for long enough. I know how this goes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so speaking of cards, let's see. Um, big, big month in a, in a relatively slow year. Uh, we just got a new, the quarterly restricted list update, and we finished Dominion Cycle. Let's go with the restricted list. Now, you have an article on Fantasy Flight's website explaining what was added, what was errated, and why. Mm -hmm. uh i'm interested in some things that are were not added or removed um some things that come to mind specifically are pathfinder's blade stoke interaction and kachiko put them together because scorpion is crazy uh <laughs> toshimoko who did nothing wrong there it is there's the toshimoko <laughs> Uh, and I do, you know, it, it is a pet peeve of mine because I am a crane player and of it, but like it, it kind of breaks into the larger question of, you know, what is the restricted list aiming to do? What is considered too much power and what's the barometers that are uh, paled to and stuff? I can, I can still see your argument of why Toshimoku would be on the list and stuff, but you, sometimes you compare some cards to the restricted list to some cards that are not or vice versa. Things don't seem to add up. What's, uh, can you give me some insight on that one, please? Uh, well, so before we get into the, the whole Toshimoku discussion, um, okay. basically the restricted list ideally is here's a list of cards that are all slightly too powerful if left alone in the environment. So you only get to pick one. And ideally, all of them are at, exist at a similar enough power level or are sufficiently build around E, if you will, uh, that there is a compelling reason to take any of them. Um, I don't love it when cards are on the restricted list, uh, but like definitely not never going to get taken. Now, that's not going to say that's not going to happen. Um, and frankly, putting a card on the restricted list, knowing that it's kind of just banned because no one's going to take it in a competitive sense, mm -hmm. but it's not technically banned. So like if a casual player wants to play it, their friends will still play with them uh, because I think I've at least in my, my experience with uh, established card game communities of which I think of our definitely is one is that, like, people, the players, even when playing casually want to follow the tournament guidelines. Yes. Because yeah. they want to feel like a, they're what they learn from playing the game can translate to a tournament environment. And B, because the idea is the tournament environment is kind of the air quotes optimized version, right? The, the most overpowered things are removed and, uh, the problematic card interactions are dealt with, et cetera, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so saying, so I think it's disingenuous to say, well, in casual play, you can just ignore Imperial Law because I don't think that's how people choose to play. And also that's not really how people want to play. Um, yeah, so. and if you just showed up to casual night and had a deck breaking all the rules, you'd get a lot of weird looks. And, and I don't think casual. people would be rude about it. But, yeah. like, there would be this sort of unspoken pressure, social pressure to, like, 
yeah, we're not going to make you, you know, take that card out of your deck because you only have a core set or whatever. But like, once you get a few more products and your card pool grows a little bit, we're kind of going to expect you to start site, start following the, the Imperial law document at some point. Um, me, me and Max even have some friends like our buddy Andy loves to play like he doesn't care about following the meta it's too much pressure he just likes putting his cards together and he'll just blatantly break the rules but he only just plays at his house with uh, some of his other friends who are not like hyper, as hyper competitive as me Mike or me Max and the other people who hang out at the store are so and he has a time of his life he once made he put like uh three poison tokens on my doji challenger and he lost instantly but he was so happy about it (laughs) (laughs) well and like uh and and to be clear like i think there's totally room for like for a player who intentionally breaks the 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 imperial law restrictions but they're like listen i intentionally made this you know nonsense jank deck that is not trying to win in the most competitive way and yes, it involves using these two cards together. You know, just play with me because it's going to be fun. And like, I think there's room for that too. Yeah. But I wanted to build one cost swarm tribal crab. So I'm going to have rebuild and Cooney labs in my deck. And you're not going to stop me, but it's all one cost, guys. Right. I took this other, you know, arbitrary restriction on my deck to make it a little bit more, uh, a, a little bit more gimmicky. And in theory, also, that's a handicap, right? If mm-hmm. if the rule is all of my characters have to cost one, that is a handicap. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think um, I told you on Twitter, it's like, I'm just going to build a deck that's all holdings and all conflict characters. Mm-hmm. Take that, Kachiko. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't think that deck is going to win any tournaments. I think there yeah. is an optimal version of that, and I think it's probably good um, because, you know, if you can guarantee that you're going to get basically four zero cost card effects every turn from your holdings that's not nothing right uh oh, yeah. obviously there's going to be some dynasty char- uh, a few dynasty characters and you're not going to go uh 40 conflict characters because really you only need like maybe 20 and then then you can play all the really good cheap events or whatever right because uh, yeah. it's not like you're going to be playing every single card in your hand if they're all characters but oh, yeah. uh yeah, like I think there is a version of that deck that is interesting. Um but also it is kind of a gimmick, right? Because that's not how the game was designed to be played. Yeah. Yep. Um but anyway, so that's all to say that like I do ha- I I do consider this the more casual experience when with regards to the uh restricted list, which means that a card is only ever going to get banned if it would continue to be a problem if it was on the restricted list. Right, like that's why charge had to go. That's why lost papers got banned instead of getting restricted. I considered I could put this on the restricted list, and people would be happy because it would be in fewer decks. But it would still feel bad in the decks that it was played in, and it's you know inconsistently strong enough to be a legitimate choice. So like, let's just get it out of here. Let people Mm -hmm. play the game that is the the most amount of fun for the most people, right? Oh yeah, Um, and that's why. Uh, and and so the cards that are on the list are obviously not all going to be the same power level. And sometimes cards are on there because like they would be too bo- too strong if they weren't on the list, but mm. they're kind of too weak if they are on the list. Yes, I'm looking at you, Toshimoko. Um, <laughs> and the final sort of nail in his coffin is how difficult, how 
a deck built around Toshimoko can be very unpleasant to play against, specifically when it also has uh, Magistrate Station in it. If Magistrate oh, yeah. Station didn't exist, Toshimoko would not be on the restricted list. Is, is basically what it comes down to. I'm also looking at Bayushi Liar just hanging out on the on the ban list. Like, what did I do? <laughs> uh, listen, I, so I know that people were kind of blindsided by that. And like, of course they would. Why would they expect me to ban a one-cost, mostly vanilla character from the core set? That Bayushi Liar has had has had has been on my list since day one of me working on this game. Uh, mm -hmm. So it was finally his time. I just oh, think I'm not sad. Is, I, I think the card is just strictly too powerful, and this will probably come up, you know, with one of your later questions. But I just think the card is full stop too powerful for the game. No, uh, for the ones I did listen, to, uh, I do know that uh, Pathfinder's Blade is one that keeps popping up in conversation, specifically because very similar effects to it keep getting printed. So I think people are interested in what's going on with that one particular. Um, well. I mean, unfortunately, and I say this as the develop as the person who made the cards. Unfortunately, uh, a couple of the similar Pathfinder's Blade adjacent cards also turned out to be too good and had to get restricted. Um, okay. Uh, see contested countryside. See contested countryside Nikoma uh, scenario. Yeah. That was not. They were not intended to be uh, quite as warping as they ended up being. Although, like, in Contested Countryside's case, it was intended to be a metagame pressure. Like, I did want it to force people to change or consider changing how they uh, selected their provinces. Um, but I maybe pushed it a little bit too much uh, and made it a little bit too free, right? So uh, that's, that's, I mean, it happens. Um, but anyway, like, those are the, the comparison points, right? Like, Pathfinder's Blade is restrict is is too good. Um, anything mm -hmm. that is a zero cost cancel, I'm gonna. I, I've. I am concerned about zero cost cancels in general, which is a little weird considering they were in the core set. But also, I think they're just too good. Like, yeah, Arch Edict is definitely too good. Pathfinder's Blade, honestly, there are so many small things you could do to change it. If it costs one, no problem. If it was mm -hmm. restricted, maybe. Uh, right, because then there's at least some some limitation to putting it on the character. Uh, mm. But the fact that it is zero fate and it cancels a province effect, which is a very powerful effect, mm -hmm. and it also gives plus one military for no reason. Mm. Uh, well, not for no reason, it's a sidearm. Um, but like, it does all of those and it costs you being a seeker role, which isn't really a cost anymore. Um, mm, okay. It's a it's a mild one, but certainly not considering the amount of value you get. Uh, so, no, basically, for all the people that have been speculating, no, it won't be coming off the restricted list. It is a zero-cost cancel, and I consider zero-cost cancels to be too good. Uh, yeah. And the cards that have been similar to it in power level and mechanical effect have also been restricted for the same reason. <laughs> Okay, so so we're we're not gonna do this anymore, right? <laughs> and like you know, certainly it's it's not that I don't consider it. I've considered it multiple times, but it always comes back to that. It always comes back to it gives you too much, uh, too much value for the trivial cost. 
that it asks. Mm. Well, well, I'll tell you, what, I don't know how much of the old game you've uh, researched while you're doing this new development and stuff, but you, I promise you would not be the first L5R lead designer to go, you know what, there's this problematic old mechanic, maybe I can fix it, and then come back, okay, mistakes were made, I apologize. <laughs> well, and like, if you're referring to, say, Contested Countryside and Sonuri specifically, hmm. um, I mean, the Dominion cycle was the cycle about provinces, like, uh, every a lot of things are going to interact with provinces, and some of them are going to cancel effects or turn off abilities. See, uh, Return from Shadows is a card that I think is fine. Um, uh, 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 Highlight the Flaws is a card that I think is fine. In fact, Highlight the Flaws is probably uh, the 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 most balanced version of that you're ever going to find. It's probably not good enough to warrant the fire roll restriction in retrospect, but like. Uh, but like one fate, one card, cancel a province ability. That's about right to me. As these provinces have gotten more, um, I'm going to say no problem. They've entered a different, the provinces are kind of different than what they were a couple of months ago. It's not on my list, but can you talk about that a little bit? Because people probably was like, oh, well, a lot of these provinces are really like offensively motivated right now. Like I'm using these things on attack. Yes. So there's two elements to that. Um, one so actually element zero is it's the province you know provinces are the theme of the cycle so i'm gonna try to do new things right uh mm -hmm. and then that that manifested in a cycle of provinces that have passive abilities that start the game face up your eminent provinces which while some of them ended up being stronger or weaker than others the basic idea is you put that in your deck when you want your provinces to help you win the game as compared to the previous, you know, province design, which was all about this province will help me defend it, or this mm -hmm. province will, you know, provide me some defensive value. Uh, this is the first time we've seen provinces that help you on turn one before you get attacked, right? Like that mm -hmm. wasn't a thing before. Uh, so yes, you have eminent provinces, which help you be proactive because they do not require that they are attacked before they do anything. And mm -hmm. Subsequently, they don't have to have effects that are defensive in nature, right? If I have a province that activates when it's attacked, I want it to help me defend it. Whereas if I have a province that I just always have open, you know, always have its ability on, then maybe it can help me try to win the game without me caring about whether or not it lives or dies, even. Um, sure, sure, sure. And then on the, on the other hand, uh, you have a cycle of neutral provinces, which very intentionally consider the 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 question of what if I had a province that could trigger at other provinces? Um, and obviously the most thematic and most mechanically interesting way to do that is to care about province element because province elements kind of didn't care that much. You didn't care much about them before. Mm -hmm. Aside um, from being seeker, basically. Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> or and some so random crab cards. Now that we have these this cycle of, of neutral I care about the element of the province provinces. Uh, they can always trigger it themselves, which is how any previous ability would be. Uh, you take, say, uh, Courteous Greeting, I think it is, the, the Earth one. Mm -hmm. That's a very reasonable card province that under the old, you know, if it were printed in the Imperial Cycle, would probably just say, action during a, a conflict at this province, bow my guy to bow your guy, right? And now I get to use my one drop to bow your five drop or whatever mm -hmm. 
but because it's in this theme, uh, because it's in this cycle and I'm exploring this mechanic of caring about the province element, it's always going to do that. But also sometimes, theoretically, one in five times, it will also work offensively. And so it, it, it makes you care about the provinces that you choose in a new way, because now you have to consider, well, this is a cool fire province, but what if my opponent has the plus three glory pro- fire province? Now, is this actually just bad? Like that didn't mm-hmm. exist before. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you just have more things to consider while you're deciding your province lineup. Yeah, well, most of it's like, oh, everyone's staring at these void provinces and weight of duty. So like, who's going to be the first to pull the trigger here? <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> or, and like, uh, void provinces have the particular complication of uh, the fact that the two core set neutral void provinces were just so good uh, that anything there are there are provinces that I have designed that would be playable if they did not have the void element on them and mm-hmm. vice versa there have been void provinces that I have intentionally made slightly better because they were a void province. <laughs> they have to complete with a shameful display all day because otherwise you're just going to take shameful and never look at it right oh yeah um and and that's actually something that i like about weight of duty is that it kind of subtly says okay but like if void provinces are all the best provinces what if we said your void province now has a slight drawback attached to it Mm -hmm. is that why weight of duty might be slightly better than some of the others in comparison uh it was not intended to be and frankly it i have been surprised because when i play tested it i found it to be good but i didn't find it to be like better than shameful display quality which is what some people are saying which i think is probably a you know hyperbole but mm-hmm. the fact that they're even considering that perspective is like oh maybe this card is just better than i thought it was i, I don't know if it's i never better. thought it was weak but i didn't it, think it was just the the, the nuts I, I do think it's good enough that, like, if you t- decide to take it over Shameful, it's, like, not correct, but it's not so incorrect, like, you've destroyed yourself. You know what I mean? Well, and the other thing is, like, it's a much more build-around heavy province. It's mm-hmm. it's fairly hard to use consistently, because yeah. I have to have a character defending it who I am willing to sacrifice. Like, the sacrifice character has to be in the conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, Obviously, the payoff is I get to bow and dishonor any character or any non-unique character, depending on whether or not my guy was unique. And I certainly have built the crab deck that's like, here's my weight of duty crab deck. And it runs, you know, the one and two cost unique characters because I'm going to throw them in the way of this province and sacrifice them to go bow and dishonor my opponent's big champion. Um, Yeah, as a crab player, it is a card that immediately stands out to me. Right. But like... (laughs) I went out of my way to build around it. So, of course, it should be better than Shameful Display if I built my deck around it. Mm, um, yeah. Uh, but to go back to um, power, because we're talking about things that were not... Uh, and we're still kind of on the on the added remove from the restricted list, even though we, we took a tangent over to holdings. Um, things that were not put on the list. Uh, Stoke Insurrection and Kachiko... Um, have been noted for being kind of cray cray. Um, I wouldn't even say from like playing, from like look reading the cards, just like oh, th- this is this is insane. And it kind of, we've talked about this when we were discussing the Dominion cycle of we're seeing a lot of especially right here of this was 
initially supposed to be a replacement for the core set back when there was rumors we're trying to uh, do super i will correct you on that it okay was, please do. it was never supposed to be a replacement for the core set it was simply supposed to be the last cycle before rotation okay now that said i did put some obvious core set replacements in it uh, yeah with the idea that i like uh like uh take uh in in search of self for example the the dragon bow event that mm. is a weaker version of miramoto's fury absolutely that was never supposed to be a i'm going to ban miramoto's fury and replace it with this card although that is kind of what that card is about because mm. like i think it's fine for dragon to have for any clan really to have two similar cards where one of them is a slightly less overpowered version of the other and then the more powerful version lives on the restricted list and the less powerful version doesn't so mm. if i want the effect but i don't want to spend my restricted slot on it i use the less powerful version if i want the effect and i don't mind spending my restricted list slot on it then i take the more powerful version if i'm sure, sure, sure. really into that mechanic then i take both uh that's like scorpion taking uh um Forgy Dick and Forgery. Yeah. yeah, and like that's not inherently a bad thing that you have access to both of them because it still costs you something to get the better one. Um, yeah. And but, so, like, yeah, if I were printing the core set now, I wouldn't put Forge Dedict in it, obviously. But like, uh, just because I printed Forgery does not inherently mean Forge Dedict is going to go away. Mm -hmm. Banning it is option obviously an option an option uh but that's not like i didn't put cards in the dominion cycle with the intent of this is a hard replacement just a this is an alternative that doesn't carry the deck building restrictions of the restricted or banned list yeah like we also see for crab we have rebuild versus the new character yeah rebuild is definitely too good but the character isn't yeah the character is expensive for the effect but it doesn't make it unplayable the so found out the hardware really that, uh, um the 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 apprentice engineer he will basically remove everything from the province that he replaces something on whereas um rebuild will cherry pick like if you have a stack of like three cards there he can just grab the one in the middle if he wants to and just rebuild that spot right individual yeah and rebuild rebuild had the had the issue of it had no cost and the effect is very good. And uh, even the like what you take out of the province, there was some weirdness about the fact that you're shuffling the card away before you refill the province or whatever. Not to say that there was rules complications, just that like uh, it's more intuitive. It makes more intuitive sense to be like, no, I'm going to rebuild this thing here. And then that is the only thing left in the province. So we're going to discard the rest. Whereas rebuild involves shuffling, which you don't want random shuffles because shuffles take take time that you don't want to spend shuffling. Um, it had the like, you have to give up the card before you refill the province, which makes it feel more like an exchange when really the effect of rebuild is go rebuild your holding. That's the effect. Everything else is ancillary. So you don't want to focus on everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason I mentioned the uh, the these cards being kind of version 2.0 with other cards is because I feel like Stoke Insurrection like it feels like a replacement um, um, fate, fate worse than death 
just for the cost point and stuff. Uh, but I gotta say, the value on that thing is just cray cray. Uh, so like I said, like, oh, what is what's what are it's too powerful for you? <laughs> it's a little much. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Um, it was supposed to be a, a strong effect, and you know, now that we're almost a year and a half out from when I last touched the card. Like, yeah, it's definitely stronger than I would have, would would make if I were making the card now. Um, mm. It was supposed to be a slightly more desirable ambush, but in in that, like, it fills your board, but uh, mm. in, in a, you can't, uh, just in a, it's a good way for Scorpion to win, to surprise win a conflict, as opposed to ambush, which is a little bit more, you know, you have to, align your pieces and 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 build around it because ultimately you know what you're going to ambush in whereas you don't know what you're going to get from a stoke um mm. and in retro and and the cost reduction was supposed to be a uh an incentive for the scorpion uh opponent's cards are face down sort of sub theme um that didn't execute maybe as ideally as i would like but it is what it is mm. Mm -hmm. yeah because there's there, there's powerful cards there's oh this is a problem and then there's i'm a unicorn player and the scorpion opponent just took my chagatai and has now burned down all of my provinces with it well and like yes uh there the the line between good and too good is very thin mm. and very subjective which is why it's not on the restricted list now that's not to say that mm. i'm not keeping a very very close eye on it um mm. but unlike uh, unlike some more obvious cards like contested countryside which uh and and even the um uh what's the uh the ambition the ambition province uh that got eroded like some of those I was aware of the problem almost a year ago, but the cards had already gone to print. So I'm like, well, eventually these cards will come out and I'll have to deal with them. But in the meantime, they are what they are because I can't change them now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you know, spell check misses some things. Or th you, you, I think you said a couple of times during the playtest title, I was like, I swear I thought this card had this writing on it the entire time. And after, I, you know, as a graphic designer, I know like, hey, we've gone to print. Hey, does this thing have like very basic info? Oh no, <laughs> what have I done? Well, that's not even it. Um, I'm pretty deliberate about how I word things and, and how I, uh, what my templating is and, you know, missing errors and stuff. It's just the fact that like you play test a you you might play test a card for a few months and then you send it off to go get printed and you know wait the the 6 to 8 months or the 6 to 9 or 6 to, to 10 or 12 months even sometimes between mm -hmm. when you finalize the card and when it actually comes out. Mm -hmm. You don't stop playing with the card once you stop developing it like you say okay this card's done ship it off let's go get it printed Let's start making the next set of cards. But when you're making the next set of cards, you're still playtesting, right, with the cycle that you just finished. And so uh, there have absolutely been times where I'm like, I finished this two months ago. It's still three months away from, it's still at least two months away from being even announced. And, but because I've been playing with it for an extra two months, I've learned more and it's like, oh no, I can see the problem coming because I kept playing with the card after I finished it. And so mm -hmm. I got more data, 
that I didn't have two months ago, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's always a thing of the community is going to be able to play more games in, you know, a week than you and a small playtest team are able to play over a month. And they also see the the finished versions. Cards get mm -hmm. changed up until the very end of the development process. Yeah. So when you're playtesting, cards are changing every single week. It's impossible to get a read on what exactly, you know, the finer points of the metagame or the finer points of even individual card interactions look like because a card might be busted one week and completely unplayable the next. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, one last question about the, recy uh, the, re the recycled list, the restricted list, uh, before we get off this subject. Uh, and it's a little self-serving, but it's also like a philosophical question because i wonder like so doji diplomat has come out and it's pretty good because <laughs> almost everything we've talked about so far is like oh doji diplomat makes all of these things really good in crane right now so as a crane player i'm very happy thank you so much yeah. uh to the and it's so good that people are wondering like oh is she going to get restricted or banned in the next cycle coming around and stuff because she is like opening up uh, for me, a very fun and interesting gameplay design space. But for a lot of people, it's just like, oh, gosh, what is like, we're doing some wacky things here. So um, if you decided to RL her, how would that interfere with her being like she's kind of the linchpin of the Crane's new Dominion style? We're going to reveal our provinces and then key off of that. Uh, how is that conversation? happening? Doji Diplomat is not too good. Crane players are just terrified that all of their good cards are going to get restricted. <laughs> <laughs> Toshimoko screams from jail. <laughs> Toshimoko is, has made everybody jumpy. Doji Diplomat is fine. Is she very good? Yes. But that was intentional to make the archetype play, right? Um, in retrospect, I wish I had pushed the dragon cards more uh, uh, for the same reason. Um, but, I mean, there's seven clans and mm -hmm. 100 and 40 cards in the cycle, I think. Mm. Uh, and only a few months to do lots of iterations. So sometimes they land where I want them to, and sometimes they don't. Mm. Doji Diplomat landed where I want her to, not beyond where I wanted her to. Oh. I will I will show you my deck later and ask you if you still have that same. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, bring it up, bring it up, bring it up. I'm all about that. I, I will uh, caveat that she's just came out what? Two days ago, so or last Friday, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah last week, yeah. Uh, but unlike lost papers, I don't have months and months of evidence saying, "Oh, this card was a mistake." Sure, 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 sure. Um, and this is kind of what we we're talking about before uh, with the. Well, I was talking about Stoke Insurrection and Kachiko. Uh, so with, since the dawn of the game, Scorpion cards are just better. I don't know how to else to describe them. They're just better. You know, hypothetically, they have a air quotes downside of their board characters, their dynasty characters are theoretically weaker and they cause their own dishonor and stuff. But these all seem to revolve around like net positives for Scorpion. Like their weaker characters mean they always have more money for their super powerful actions and then their dishonoring things just turns on like a bunch of their other abilities that we're supposed to like we're supposed to just be hovering around six but we know we can <laughs> just push that as wherever we want to you know uh what's up with scorpion how are they doing that especially compared to um uh, and you just talk about like you have your hits and miss and stuff uh dragon which you put a i know you put a huge uh effort behind uh with their clan pack and with the most recent things um how is this all going together uh scorpion has the advantage of being reactive by theme 
So L5R at its core is a game about grinding small advantages over your opponent, conserving resources, and ultimately it's, it's a resource management game, right? Uh, mm. There are big flashy things you can do, but the most consistent, effective way to win the game is to out-resource your opponent in some capacity. Uh, yeah. It turns out the best way to out-resource your opponent is to not be proactive, is to let your opponent commit to something and then react to that. Uh, Scorpion, that's their that's their thematic play style. They're all about reacting to the opponent. They're all about yeah. saying, I have 15 cards in my hand, and I'm only going to play the two that matter right now. Uh, and I'm not going to invest in something that maybe you have an answer to. I'm going to wait until uh, either I'm either going to get small edges over you uh, by triggering ring effects without over committing to a conflict because I don't care about breaking provinces, right? Like people talk about farming provinces as a thing that Scorpion does. It's because the way that Scorpion wants to win is to not break provinces because you need to spend more resources to break a province and scorpions don't want to spend resources, right? So mm -hmm. if I'm spending fewer resources because I'm not trying to break provinces, then I have more resources to defend myself. And then you have to expend more resources because you are trying to break provinces. And now you're spending more resources to break my provinces. I'm not spending as many resources to, break, to not break your provinces. We're both getting the same ring effects but I get to spend more time defending, defending myself, which makes me harder to kill, right? Like, it's all about this resource game. And Scorpions, mm. sort of by design, are supposed to be the clan that feels the most reactive and the most conserve your resources type. Certainly, you won't see unicorn players running around conserving their resources because their clan is supposed to be much more in-your-face aggressive and explosive. Mm -hmm. Uh there are hits and misses in all card, you know, all card design power level is going to be uh, imprecise, shall we say. Sure, 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 sure. It just so happens that the Scorpion play style is, is sort of set up intentionally or not to maximize the cards that were kind of too good, but like, now that they're in Scorpion, they're definitely too good, right? Mm -hmm. Imagine, uh, hell, imagine Stoke Insurrection as a uh, as a crane card, and mm -hmm. it wouldn't get the same reaction it, it's getting right now. Oh, yeah, because I've tried that, and that's where we get to, like, oh, my crane bodies are so expensive, I don't have the money lying around where that four cost... I can't. I don't have governor spy, so I can't flip everything upside down to get the cheap two cost. So I'm gonna have to pay it raw four, and I also don't have the side abilities that once I steal two people from my opponent's size to start getting recursion effects off of it and stuff. It is just like you know, a crane playing that and a scorpion playing that night and day. That's and that's my point is that like if a card is is accidentally too good and it's a scorpion card, hmm. it's going to be much more visibly too good because the clan is already predisposed to have that uh, resource advantage. In playtesting the core set, Scorpion was not the obvious best clan. A lot of mm. people thought they were kind of weak because a lot of their cards kind of didn't do anything. But mm. in actual play, they, they did stuff. 
and it was subtle, but the stuff they did was exactly what the 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 victory conditions of L5R want you to be doing anyway. It's mm-hmm. sort of like uh, I designed moment of perfect beauty, the crane philosophy, as a as a supposed to be, I thought, a powerful like let's end the conflict on mostly my terms. Uh, let me end the conflict before you're done committing resources to this conflict because uh, I don't want you to commit any more resources to this conflict so that I can win. It turns out you don't want to commit resources to a conflict anyway. Like committing resources to a conflict is generally bad because those are resources you don't have for the next conflict. Um, And so like uh, it, 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 it turns out that the best way to play the game is to play the game the scorpion way. So obviously the scorpion cards are going to feel a lot stronger because they're playing on the same axis that everyone else is. Uh, Mm. Compared to, say, cavalry reserves, which is very powerful and was, frankly, an inspiration for Stoke Insurrection. But, like, you don't see people... uh, you, you don't see the same uproar about that because it's not in the Scorpion clan that is already designed to play into that, that mm-hmm. sort of resource advantage uh, mentality. Yeah. Yeah. And an individual resource, whether it be a fate or an honor or a number of different factors, weighs a lot more heavier or lighter in different clans. Oh, uh, another thing is that because the Scorpion clan is intentionally self-destructive, right? They want to be at low honor. They want to have dishonored characters because that's a theme. They have ways to mitigate being in those conditions. So now you have a clan that is about getting small edges over the opponent, playing a game where you want to get small edges over your opponent. And also if the Scorpion player falls behind, they're really good at getting back into the game. Whereas other clans absolutely just can't do that. Mm. It was always my problem with as a crab player for a long time is if we dropped low on honor, it was just over. Uh, and, in fact, yep. you just recently gave crab the first card in the most recent cycle that gains honor in faction. That was intentional yep. so that all of these like spend honor to do stuff cards. It wasn't like completely unplayable, yep. <laughs> but also um, like it's still a crab theme because Mm-hmm. You have to defend your provinces in order to get the honor back, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Uh, I guess it's just kind of another general power level thing. Scorpion always tends to lean there. Um, but this is just... Lion as a clan has kind of existed in this weird state. I'd say that they're one of the most proactive clans mm-hmm. in the game. And it seems to either lead to them either being very, very strong and on top, and then you take away a couple pieces and they crumble all the way to the bottom. Yep. Uh, that largely comes down to, like I said, the fact that they're proactive means that they're going to be vulnerable because they're always going to be putting their hand on the table first, as it were. Uh, if you give them strong enough cards, then that will result in you winning the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they don't have those you know, slightly more pushed cards, then it's not going to work. Uh, if you look at the sort of the lion play style at the first world championships that was won by a lion player, mm-hmm. um, people were, were asking me going into the tournament, hey, you, you have your pulse on the game. What clan do you think is going to win? And uh, at the time, uh, 
I put my hat in the ring of the Scorpion clan because I knew a Scorpion player who I had known from playing many, many years other games in the past. I knew he was a good game player and I knew he was playing a good clan. So I was like, I think he's going to win. I, however, I caveated it by saying the, uh, the, if, if I were just picking by clan, my pick would be lion because if lion high rolls, lion's unbeatable. Mm-hmm. And that was true. Even in the core set is that like, if lion gets all of their best cards at the right time, they're, they were unstoppable because they had lion's pride brawler. They had Toturi and they had a, uh, uh, Kids- Yep. No, no, this was before Giaki. Just oh, okay, okay. They they had they had the the um the the mid range play of Lions Pride Brawler and the Kitsu Spirit Caller. They had the Kitsu Spirit Caller who was getting back their big Toturi, and they had the Toturi way of the Lion combo to just outright win a conflict whenever they wanted. Right, like so they had all of these ways to like explosively just win out of nowhere. But if they don't get the cards or they get the cards at the wrong time, they just kind of don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of been Lions story since then right either they're on top because they're just so explosive that no one can stop them or they're kind of bad because they're putting their hand on the table first and they're just getting you know run in circles uh and there was there's also the whole honor element where lion cares about gaining honor and their honor total which either is very effective because they can consistently pressure two win conditions at the same time or it's completely meaningless because if they can't pressure the honor win condition, what are they doing gaining all this honor for? Or mm-hmm. they have to not play cards in order to conserve, or not draw cards in order to conserve honor so they can play their cards, right? So there's all of these ways that the lion card pool adds up to either be the perfect confluence of power or it's actively hurting itself. Totally agree. You totally agree. I, I also said for a long time, I thought that Lion's Pride Brawler and Spirit Caller were cards that were hurting lion just because it made it so that cer- you couldn't print certain effects in lion with those cards around i mean i think at this point i've proven that i'm willing to print whatever i want with yep. regardless of uh of precedent mm-hmm. but like that's not to say that i don't consider it right yeah. i don't think i think in at the end of the day was lion's pride brawler too good in the core set yeah probably but it's turned out to actually just be fine yeah i mean it's very good but it's not you know it's certainly not this needs to get eroded on release the way that it was when the core set came. Yes. Oh boy, I remember the days when Lion's Pride Brawler was the most busted card in the environment. I right? miss those days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but to wrap up like kind of all of that, uh, so Dominion has wrapped up. How do you feel about it design-wise? Did we meet our goals? And is the game like as air quotes fun as it's supposed to be in your opinion granted with this last pack just came out and stuff how do you think everything's tracking so far i can tell you my like my anecdotal evidence of like once you took away uh policy debate which was like the backbone of a lot of crane decks like it was it was real frustrating building a crane deck because and i think i'm not talking about crane but many clans do this it's like i'm halfway through deck construction and i'm like thinking like this can't beat this, this can't beat this, and you just get really discouraged halfway through deck construction because it's like, oh, no, I know the meta too well to know that nothing I have right now is really, you know, cutting muster and stuff. But now that I've got cards, uh, I'm having a great time, you know, and I feel really <laughs> bad for the dragons. <laughs> uh, how, how, um, how's, how's Dominion shaped out for you? 
Overall, Dominion had a few high-profile big misses that I do regret, but they are not they were not surprises to me and I think that I I think that overall the the cycle was a success. I intentionally designed the Dominion cycle to be more powerful than the inheritance cycle, which in retrospect I felt was too weak. I think I played it a little too safe with stuff in the Dominion or in the inheritance cycle and Children of the Empire deluxe expansion. So I intentionally pushed a little bit more of the power level in the Dominion cycle because I didn't right the time before. Um, there were a few cards that over got got overly pushed or uh, or didn't get reined back in at the last minute as they probably should have. But like that was the risk I was willing to take because I intentionally wanted the cycle to be a bit higher power level because at the end of the day, it's still competing with some potentially overpowered cards in the core set. And mm -hmm. some of those cards can't leave the card pool. Like, you can't have L5R without Bonsai Court Games, Fine Katana, and Ornate Fan. It's just... Yeah. The, the, the rest of the card pool doesn't exist to support it. Um, and so my options were either design as if cards like that didn't exist, which you kind of can't do, or say, okay, if those cards exist, then these cards should be equivalent to that, right? Um, and so that's why uh, you have more blatantly powerful cards in the cycle than you did in the past. Uh, there were a lot of uh, a lot of feedback I got said that City of the Rich Frog was going to break the game. Did hmm. it? No. Uh, I also got feedback that uh, what was the other one? Um, Rally was going to break the game. Did it? Well, kind of, but only because there were a few rally cards that didn't, shouldn't have had rally or, you know, in Lost Papers uh, case, should have been designed differently just from the beginning. Uh, or, right here, he hates rally. It, <laughs> it, it was designed fine in the beginning, but then that was too good. So I nerfed it, but not in the right way, right? Whatever. Um, but like, uh, there were, uh, so like some of the some of the um power some of the things that I intentionally pushed were slightly overpushed. Some of them were pushed just enough. Uh Doji Diplomat, for example, fits that that um that threshold of like, is this card too good? Well, it depends on what you're comparing it to. Uh if you're comparing it to Eager Scout, then yeah, it is too good. But if you're comparing it to say Ornate Fan, then no, it's actually just fine. By you see liar. Right? Yeah. Uh, and so that's the thing is you have to consider where your perspective is. Is that like uh, one fate for three skill on a body, even without text, is, is in discussion for the top of the power curve. Right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, Doji, Doji Whisperer is the top of the power curve for one drops. There's a reason I haven't made any more one fate characters with three skill. Uh, there's a reason that I took the card that was just better than it in Scorpion and said, you're not in the game anymore. Mm. Um, but if your comparison point is Doji Whisperer, then Doji Diplomat's just fine. But if, uh, but that's my point, right? Is that I was intentionally going for the, the Doji Whisperer ornate fan power level and not the, uh, 
not frankly the power level that I was aiming at previously with the previous cycle. And yes, I was aware that I might miss, and I did miss on some cases, but I hit just right on a few on many others that probably aren't going to get discussed because they're just fine. Yes, my my question related to this is: Are you happy with how rally ended up? I uh, <laughs> as a keyword, yes. Um, would I change it slightly in retrospect? I don't know. Maybe I certainly wouldn't design, or I I wouldn't. Uh, I would be much more intentional about what holdings I put it on. <laughs> and uh, will we see a return to rally in the future? I cannot guarantee that ever. Uh, mm -hmm. It is a keyword that I could see myself bringing back given the right circumstances. But, but at, at the very least, we probably won't see it in the same amount we've seen it this cycle. I mean, again, it depends on the con yeah, yeah. context, right? Like, it was on a lot of cards in this cycle. This cycle was all about dynasty and provinces and stuff. Mm -hmm. But maybe next time we see it, there's another theme, and it's playing a support role instead of being the big flashy main mechanic. Yep. Makes sense. The game for me feels like I like Rally because like it doesn't matter like the sh what card should it go on is one discussion but just having it in the game I feel really uh, accelerates Dynasty it makes Dynasty more consistent and then like with the general power level of Pack Six I feel like, you know this is a game by you know inches and in, uh, and in cuts uh, it's very similar to poker where you're just winning uh -huh. a little bit at a time uh, win or lose the game's very dynamic now and stuff you guys are like magic players so maybe this is the you know, the magic rubbing off on you guys but uh, I feel like it's a very active game if nothing else right now which I think uh, it's very exciting to be in. Well, and, and to Rally's point specifically, a lot of people criticized it for saying, well, it just gives you this thing that didn't exist before, right? It mm -hmm. lets you, air quotes, cut cards from your Dynasty deck because you have these Rally cards that replace themselves. So it's easier to get to the cards that you want. And that was presented as a downside. Whereas when I designed the, the keyword mechanic, that was an upside. Like, I want you to be able to go out of your way to play like it's not that uh, the rally card is, the rally card is not one hundred percent free because you know it might rally into another rally card or and the cards themselves are supposed to be situational where sometimes you want to play it but maybe only like forty percent of the time do you ever actually want to play the rally card that's why it gets the keyword mm -hmm. right um, but like the idea that it accelerates dynasty so that the dynasty deck feels more punchy in the way that the conflict deck previously felt punchy. That was intentional. Okay. Uh, to, get, to wrap things up, to get out of here, uh, Temptation Cycle. What are we looking forward to with Temptation? We've already released two articles showing off some cards. What are, we, what are our main goals here? What are we pushing? Uh, so I'm just going to put this. I'm, I'm, I'll lead with this, which is I feel like the Temptation Cycle is the most balanced cycle I've ever made. Um, okay. And obviously, you know, uh, uh, history will determine whether or not that's true. But, uh, but I feel like I, I feel like I learned my lessons from the two previous cycles, such that I could be more intentional with the power level of the temptation cycle. Okay. Uh, so I'm ex very excited to see it added to the card pool. Frankly, um, I think it does a lot of really interesting things with fate on characters. Mm -hmm. uh, Obviously, we have the dire keyword, 
which triggers when a character has no fate. And we have Maho, which requires that you spend fate from characters to play. Uh, and also just random, you know, one-off effects that care about how many fate does a character have. Uh, or move fate from a character to another character. Or spend honor to put fate on guys, right? Like that kind of thing. Yeah, um, I will say as a... Uh... Shadowlands and Spider Player of old. I actually really like the way that the Maho is done here. Um, I am, I support Maho, and I. One of the problems I always had with like uh, spreading the darkness was it, it was just hard to play because of the honor cost. And I really like the fate cost because it's still you know taking the energy of the person and weakening them for this effect without basically being unincludable because of the honor cost. And I, well, I actually really really like it. And the other subtle thing is that like fate is still fate. Mm -hmm. So like if I make a two fate Maho and a two fate non Maho event, the, the both of them are events, but one of them has the Maho condition and the other one doesn't like they still cost you the same amount of resources, but it feels different and it plays very different because even though it's still two fate, regardless, like the fact that I had to commit to it on the board is a downside. So maybe the Maho gets to be stronger or right, whatever. Uh, yeah, and it's always possible but, your opponent fiddles with that fate themselves. Exactly. And now compare that to something like Spreading the Darkness, which uses a different resource and therefore either is unplayable because it's not a resource you can afford to spend, or it's basically free because it's not your primary economy. Um, it makes it much harder to balance things that don't cost fate because fate is fundamentally the main economy of the game. Mm -hmm. So as long as I can keep the cost tied to fate, it's easier to write balance things. Yeah. I, I swear to God, if I start using good omen offensively in the next cycle, we're going to have another <laughs> interview, Tyler. <laughs> well, so here's the deal. Is I was like, I wanted, I wanted that to at least be on the table, but hopefully I didn't make it so good that it happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no like I, we'll see what's going on with it um interesting to see where it goes i kind of wish composure would come back i know what you're trying to do with that one hope that one gets back to the drawing board someday because i enjoyed i enjoyed the like what it was on paper you know the execution kind of fell apart but i really like the idea of it like trying to get out of this bid five meta we need more warm welcomes level cards composure is basically at the top of the list of mechanics i want to bring back i feel like i was way too conservative I mean, I was I was more conservative with the power level of most of the cards in that box as it is, uh, but especially true with the composure cards. So, and also there were only a handful of them. I want to see more. I think it's a really good mechanic, but the thing is, it has to be in a set or a cycle that care that that has a thematic or mechanical reason to care about it. I can't just put composure into a set for no reason. Like there has to be a reason for it to be there. Kind of in the same way that. Dyer and Maho appear in the same set, right? In the same cycle, because the theme is about uh, spending, uh, taking more risks and also caring about fate on characters. Those are sort of the two meta themes of the cycle in the same way that provinces and the dynasty phase were sort of the meta themes of the Dominion cycle. Yeah, and I, I know that uh, one of the things we discussed in one of our previous episodes with relation to Dyer and Maho is how they can work together as well to trigger Dyer effects. <laughs> well, uh, I'll have you know that um, some some of the, the some feedback I received loved that interaction, and some feedback I received hated that interaction. So hopefully, more people love yeah. it than hate it. <laughs> I I, I suppose I imagine it'll 
come down to if it falls on the end of very powerful or not as powerful. <laughs> that does tend to be a, a factor. <laughs> this is L5R. No matter what happens, we will not be happy by the end of the cycle. So, <laughs> yeah. Card game players but, are never allowed to be happy. But you know what, Tyler? To leave you something that does bring joy in your heart, Halo Infinite. Tell me something about Halo Infinite. <laughs> I mean, I have nothing to do with it. I'm just a fan. Uh, I, I will say that I'm very grateful that they delayed the game. I'm always pro delays when there's a pandemic going on, or even if you just like learn that you need more time to do a better job. I would rather have things that are done well than things that are on time. Um, so I'm pro that. I'm very curious because their 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 plan for the game is that it's like. They said it wasn't going to be like Destiny, but like it sounds like it. They want it to be like Destiny, where like there aren't any more Halo games after this. There are just expansions and modifications to this game, uh, or like so. Three four three is still just re reading off of Bungie's crib notes that they left behind. <laughs> I mean, that's not a Bungie thing though. That's just where the that's where the video game market is right now. These, these mm -hmm. sort of persistent games that you buy one time and then you run events in the game. Like, talk about Fortnite. Fortnite, yeah. they freaking had a, like, a convention in the game. Like, people yeah. and, like, had panels or watched them. Everyone logged into the game and watched a movie together and the movie was screened in the game. Like, what? But, yeah. This is where, <laughs> like, like, I don't think this is, you know, air quotes, the future of video games, but this is a future of video games that I think will continue to exist for the indefinite future so it mm. makes sense that studios are going to consider like well what if we just make this one game and sell it to everyone once and then you know they buy expansions for it forever yeah rainbow six yeah. siege has been out for almost four years now and is still popular at release yep. and they just keep adding content to it yep yeah but, but sometimes, sometimes you get an anthem you know <laughs> yeah alpha is like that Yep. You buy the one game, and then you keep buying expansions for it forever. <laughs> oh, no. The, the, the relationship is not lost on me at all. Trust me. <laughs> yep, yep. I don't know. There are some people who are waiting for L5R2. Uh, any final words? Any shout-outs you want to give to the listeners? Uh, I am excited to see the next... Thing that the fans do when they see our next story prize. I'm going to use those words, even though it will mean something different Ooh. when the thing comes out. Oh, you're, you're playing with my emotions, Tyler. You know how I feel about story prizes. I sure am. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, we have a we had a ridiculous idea, and we're and we're gonna gonna do it. And. I think it's going to be awesome, and I look forward to seeing what the fans think. Tyler, uh, L5R is all about ridiculous ideas. I support this. <laughs> and it is a story prize. Uh, but also, yes. um, but also, uh, I'm, I'm mostly just really excited about the Temptation Cycle because I, I do think it's the best thing, the best L5R product that I've made so far uh, of the ones that are announced, obviously. Um, okay. And so the fact that it's next month is mind-boggling to me. <laughs> it still feels like, you know, we're in the middle of the Dominion cycle, but everything's out. Yeah. Next I month mean, is uh, Nations 1. Things are about to get darker. 
I, it feels like March to me right now, so I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I, I am hoping that the temptation cycle allows me to finally play a Shadowlands deck. Uh, I mean, if you're looking for a Shadowlands faction, don't hold your breath, is all I'm yeah. going to say. I know, but if I can play a bunch of Shadowlands and Maho cards in a faction, then you're they, gonna be happy. They, they tried it in Cycle 2 for Crab. They're like, here's the Fallen Hero, and like, here's Spreading the Darkness. You can play Shadowlands Crab, and it just didn't work. Well, there so, were only like a couple cards, to be yep. sure. So, I am I am looking forward to that. All right, Mr. Parrot, thank you so much for your time. I'm going to let you get out of here and stuff. So we're going to do our final shout-outs and closings. I'm going to give a shout-out to our sister podcast, the Court Games RPG Podcast, happening over there with uh, Jeannie and uh, Mike. Uh, we have our new actual plays, part of the Court Games Network with Crimson Gold Agonies and Fortune of Strife. And we also have a new YouTube series, Tokyo the Five Rings, talking about Japanese uh, culture, religion, and history. So you can find out on our website, www.courtgamespod.com. Max, hit me with that again. That's one more time, courtgamespod.com. Oh, oh man, we need to hire you for a game show or something like that. <laughs> uh, if you like this podcast or any of the other things, or if you like hanging out on our very, very busy and dedicated uh, L5R Discord server, uh, hit us up on Patreon and uh, check that out. Give us money now. <laughs> that's a very that's a that's a very humble way of asking for donations isn't it that's i mean i'm all about being direct but that went from zero to 100 real fast <laughs> <laughs> see that wallet run that <laughs> excellent and if you want to support tyler here you could go and buy legend of the five rings products yeah <laughs> yeah oh, right. oh 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 i do have a shout out uh, Curse of Honor, the first Legend of the Five Rings Aconite novel, has hey. just released as of today. You should go check that out. It's very cool. It's full will of uh, crabs and Shadowlands stuff. I will have to get my hands on it. As somebody who is both a crab player and like Shadowlands. <laughs> and as someone who is locked in this house with a pandemic, it has nothing better to do than to read a novel. Yes, I will read the book. <laughs> All right, Mr. Barrett, thank you so much for your time. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Sayonara, everyone.